It's the Winning Ticket Podcast, where having fun is minus 1,000. With your hosts, Dean Contrino, Joe Hoffman, Zach Nasciolo, and Johnny Della Luna. Ticket family, welcome back to another great episode of the Winning Ticket Podcast. This voice has been held tight for so, so long, it finally gets to be shared to the world once again, and we're talking NFL. Yes, there's playing tournament for the NBA, WNBA games are starting, heck, even NHL and MLB are underway, but we're going to talk to you guys about what we know best, the NFL, and there's so much to talk about between the draft, the schedule, everything in between. It's going to be a great one. I'm joined again with Dean and Zach. Again, I'm your host, John. Guys, welcome back. How are we doing? hey we're back, baby. Absolutely pumped to get to, to be back. Uh, John, you said it very well. Um, this is what we do best. I know that when you last heard this voice, um, and also John's, it was uh, during some college basketball things, of course. Um, you know, trying to keep up with the the fast and furiousness of the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, we kind of trailed off a little bit, um, but don't worry, we're we're back. We're making content, and exactly, it's so much easier when we have three men strong instead of just one person having to kind of do all the heavy lifting. So, of course, the other episode contents um, will get out, but, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to – I know I can speak for everyone when I say we're going to get some fairly uh, regular content at, out now from from now until the NFL season two, talking about the our favorite sport. Zach, how we doing? Dude, I am so happy to be talking football. Uh, we just – anytime the draft rolls around, you get those butterflies in your stomach and – then there's a sad realization that you still have to wait four more months for football. But you know what? We got some great futures that we already uh, have locked in as a winning ticket fam. We're going to talk about some things that maybe you, the listener, should be looking at already. We're talking about some early line values here. We're talking super early, four-month early uh, line values. And Dean's going to tell us why he thinks that is a good idea for you, the listener, and how you can start off the year making money uh, without the football season even being started. Absolutely. That's right, man. And this is the time of the year they say all 32 fan bases have hope, right? Everything, Sky, you know, the the path is ahead of you. Even as like a Jets fan, a Jaguars fan, you're like Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. They're our saviors. They're going to take us to the, the Holy Land one day. And you know what, guys? I'm going to start there because I think, you know, so we're talking post-Super Bowl. Obviously, the, the Buccaneers, you know, have, have staked their claim as the NFL's best. After the 2021 season, they certainly try to do some things to get better. They drafted a new quarterback. They drafted, I think, a really good defensive end at the end of the first round. The NFL draft this this year was a pretty interesting one. It was the first one that was back after uh, taking place in Roger Goodell's basement. So <laughs> we're back in action. It was in Cleveland. I think it was a rousing, a rousing success. And, mm-hmm. and curious, I want to talk about the draft, and let's start with, I think, the most interesting aspects of it, which are the first-round quarterbacks. So I'm going to rattle them off for you guys, just for those who might need to remember. Trevor Lawrence to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Zach Wilson to the New York Jets, Trey Lance, a surprise pick by the San Francisco 49ers. Then you had the Bears trading with the New York Giants for Justin Fields at number 11, and finally Mac Jones to the New England Patriots. I think it was number 15. I don't think I missed anybody, right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, gotcha. Guys, what what do you think was a great pick? What's the best fit out of that bunch? And maybe which one don't really like that selection? Wow, that's great. Uh, I'll defer to Zach first. 
<laughs> I was waiting on that. Uh, I'm going to get it out of the way right now. I'm not saying this because I don't like the Jets. I just think that Zach Wilson is going to be an absolute bust. Anybody mm-hmm. who kind of shoots up the draft board uh, kind of after the season's over really kind of I, I don't know. To me, it just he played at BYU. He didn't really play any against any like really elite defenses. Uh, I'm sure the raw talent is there, but I think that you know he's the type of guy who I'd like to see sit for a year or two, kind of learn from some vets, and then get thrown into it. Whereas the fact that he's going to be the starter from day one could spell some trouble. Uh, the slam dunk, obviously, to me, I'm a huge Trevor Lawrence guy. I think that he will succeed in spite of the Jaguars. Not sold on Urban Meyer as an NFL coach should be very interesting. Um, and I also think that Fields is going to be sneaky good. And I'm not saying that because I love the Bears, even though, you know, I really don't have a reason to. And now the fact that the Giants draft pick relies on them doing well, I, I excuse me, doing bad. I really hope they don't do well. Um, but I personally don't get the Trey Lance pick in the three spot, right? I, I don't really think that, like, uh, to me, Jimmy G, if he stays healthy, is like perfect for Shanahan's offense. And Trey Lance only really played one season in college. He got to play, what, one game this year? They basically did it just so they had some sort of film for him. Um, I think in the, the pandemic year, with, you know, kind of a weird schedule, not as many workouts as normally be, not as much film, it's going to be very interesting. And honestly, would not even be surprised if it's, you know, other than Trevor Lawrence, who we've seen, uh, if, you know, there's somebody who was not drafted in the first round who kind of makes a spark out of this draft. Yeah, that, that's really interesting, Zach. Uh, I'm going to give you two, um, I think, slam dunk picks, or I, I guess more so picks that I really liked. And I'm going to start with my boy, Mac Jones. Um, I wasn't really in love with him in college. I think that he's definitely a system quarterback. But what a better landing spot than the land of system quarterbacks where yep. – EFB reigned for 15 years. Actually, on draft night, I had a little bit to drink, and I accidentally placed a future on Mac Jones for one unit to win the MVP. Okay, fine, whatever. That'll that'll pay the the rent for a couple months. But um, I, seriously, I think that Cam Newton, I have never been lower on. Last year, I said that they're going to use him as a battering ram, and he won't really be a starting quarterback. Um, they used him as a battering ram, and he was the starting quarterback, which is very weird. I think that Cam Newton's ceiling is you know, kind of a hybrid wildcat quarterback type of thing. There were a couple of games where he had more carries than completions. I think the the days of Cam Newton being a prolific passer in this league are far over. So I really do like the landing spot of Mac Jones. Um, I don't know if they're going to rush him in to the starting role, um, but the Patriots have everything that they need, really, besides offensive weapons, um, aside from John Smith, which was a big free agent signing this year. Another great landing spot, Zach already mentioned it, and it's more so what I'm hearing out of camp. Justin Fields to the Bears. Um, my heart sank. Reports were coming out that the Vikings were dead set on picking him. I, I mean, take that with a grain of salt because they didn't do anything to trade up or anything like that. Uh, apparently, they inquired about the fourth pick, but, um, the, of course, the asking price was too high, so instead they just sat pat and traded back. But, yeah, Justin Fields apparently looks great in camp. And this is uh, the time of year where a lot of camp stories come out. I know that some pundits might say, yeah, you can throw out all the camp stories. It doesn't matter. Um, I actually do take a little bit of stock into it because, um, and of course this is not quantifiable at all, but every time I heard a camp story, it's been pretty much dead on. I heard Andrew Luck was amazing in training camp. Um, he ended up being a good player when he played. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, they said he looked lost in training camp, and lo and behold, uh, they didn't pick up his option. He's on a different team now. So Justin Fields apparently has the most prowess. He 
uh, apparently corrected a wide receiver for running the wrong route. And I think the Bears, sneaky, have a lot of offensive talent as well in the skill positions um, with a couple acquisitions and a couple guys last year that, you know, Foles and Trubisky just couldn't hit. And then actually bad landing spots, uh, Zach, you know, you kind of nailed both of them. Lance and Wilson I'm not sold on, but I'm actually going to go ahead and zag a little bit on the Trevor Lawrence thing. And it's nothing against Trevor Lawrence. It's mainly how many times have we seen a good college prospect come into the NFL and and thrive where there's no team organization, there's a a head coach we're not sure of, and not really a lot of skill positions. I know they lost Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook. They drafted Travis Etienne, even though they have James Robinson, who's a great Worst pick of the draft. Worst pick of the first round. Awful pick. I think it – I think it was one of those things where Urban Meyer is going to do a little bit of uh, what John Gruden did when he joined the Raiders, just taking names that he knows that he didn't like playing against in college and adding them to the team. Uh, I think that Lawrence will be fine. He'll look good, kind of like what Burrow did last year, but I just don't think that he's going to be in a position to succeed, really. So in that regard, I would fade Trevor Lawrence a little bit, uh, mainly because I just don't believe in the Jaguars. Uh, they drafted, what, five quarterbacks in the last nine years? Well, why would this one pan out? I, I don't see a structure in place for him to succeed, really. Yeah, this is that's great analysis, guys. I, I tend to agree with you. I don't want to repeat anything. I tend to agree with you on Justin Fields especially. He looked the best. Like, you watch tape. I'm not like a tape dog like Kuiper and all those guys. But you just watch a couple of plays. The guy can sling it. The guy can move in the pocket. I think if Matt Nagy is as good the offensive guru, remember, that's what he was hired to do initially. If he can work that magic on Justin Fields, as much as it pains me as a Giants fan who has their first-round pick next year, they're probably going to be a very good team. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm with Zach a little bit more on Trevor Lawrence. I'm a little bit higher than most. I think this could go one of a couple of ways, though. This could go, like, electric, like they are the next Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes duo. Or I think more, probably more likely, is they're, they're like the next coming of Cliff Kingsbury and uh, Kyler Murray, where it's like a pair that looks great on paper. It's probably way overbuilt up, um, but it's going to take some time to, to develop. So um, mm-hmm. looking at those guys for sure. And I do like Mac Jones on the Patriots, too. It's going to be cool seeing, like, Bill Belichick with another rook and, like, Seeing how he he reacts to the, you know that hard patriot style, I, mm-hmm. I think we're in for for quite a show. I'm curious if you guys had any other you know specific draft takeaways, any teams that you know looked pretty good to you. They had a great solid draft, and then any teams I'll actually start with with a bad draft. And I gotta say, for a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are known for draft, oh my god, and for really like you know. Heading it out of the park with a guy like Chase Claypool, finding those guys. I don't like what they did with Najee Harris, and then they drafted a tight end, I think, in round two. Yeah. And looking at their other picks, and it's like, and then they pick up like a guard, some random, like, you know, defensive lineman, some offensive lineman. I guess that's addressing a need. It's so hard to, like, develop a snap mm-hmm. judgment. But my thing is, a first and second round talent used on the skilled positions, you don't have to keep telling me, I know they needed a running back, but we've learned so many times, time and again, that that value in the first round for running back is usually not worth it. So tight end second round, again, unless this guy's another, you know, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle type, or Kyle Pitts type for that matter, it was very baffling for the Steelers to not address some of those needs early. And they have a a worse... um, with, with the Ravens getting hot and the Browns getting hot, I just I'm I'm so down on the Steelers after this draft. That's probably one of my one of my worst draft classes. 
Yeah, well said. They also lost a couple offensive linemen. So, I mean, yeah, I guess they drafted a guard, but it doesn't look like he's in line to have a starting role at all. So, um, yeah, and exactly, exactly like you said, the Ravens, are getting better. They added a couple pieces as well. So that's going to be an interesting division, especially with the the Browns kind of coming out of the basement and maybe being in line for having a decent year this year. I know that a lot of people have them pretty high up there. But, John, I'm going to take some of your uh, steam of who had a good draft and who had a bad draft. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the bad draft and just overall bad offseason. The Tennessee Titans, uh, they lost their both of their starting cornerbacks. Um, of course, the Clowney experiment didn't work out. They signed him to a one-year deal last year. He played like one half of one game. So, the, of course, didn't get their money's worth with that. I believe they also signed Vic Beasley, former first-round uh draft pick, and he got cut in the middle of the year. So they're a team that's just kind of a mess, Um, you know, taking a flyer on these guys in order to win now, and it's not panning out. And, of course, that's being reflected in the salary cap. They couldn't re-sign Johnny Smith, who I think is going to be dynamic. He's very talented. He actually would line up a lot in uh, as the offset in a shotgun formation uh, right beside Tannehill. Very interesting to do. Uh, he could run a lot of those wheel routes and stuff. He's a great um, old school, like Belichick. He could put his hand in the dirt, play fullback, um, play some tailback, uh, a la Aaron Henders, uh, excuse me, Aaron Hernandez, uh, pardon the murder mention. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, the Titans had a very bad uh, offseason, in my opinion. They also lost Corey Davis. I believe they also lost Adam Humphreys. I could be wrong on that one. So who is Tannehill going to throw the ball to? I know that a lot of people, the lazy take is, yeah, the Titans could just pound anyone they want into submission. That's great. But now I think we're really going to see people load the box against the Titans. Tannehill's great. Henry's great. But with no other pieces and A.J. Brown who gets hurt way too much for my liking, I think that the Titans missed an opportunity to address some of their needs. And then as far as good drafts go, I was just singing the praises of Justin Fields, but apparently their second-round pick is also a complete monster tackle. Very good. Um, I believe he's only given up two career sacks in all of collegiate football. So he's a, uh, the name escapes me right now, but he had a, he's very good. And then really quickly, if I could be a homer, the Vikings had a great draft uh, grabbing Kellen Mond. In the third round, Texas A&M quarterback, love that, going to learn behind Cousins, and then now Cousins doesn't have all the bargaining power to demand $10 billion when he comes up for extension. And they also drafted um, Ohio State guard Wyatt Davis, who a lot of people actually had a first-round grade on. I know on Todd McShay's big board, I believe, he was 34th overall, and they got him in the third round. So really love what they did, and um, yeah, I'm, uh, unfortunately I'm a Titan seller, and I have a bet including that a, a little bit later. Nice. Zach, some, some of your draft takeaways, any, any teams that you're like, they nailed this and any teams that pissed it away? I would have to say, you know who knocked it out of the park? Despite me not liking Zach Wilson, I think the Jets had a really solid draft. They addressed a lot of needs. Uh, they had, uh, you know, they got an offensive lineman to go with their quarterback, drafted a couple speedy wide receivers. And they really went defensive heavy. They had 10 picks, so they really should have <laughs> had plenty of draft capital to start retooling. Um, I already said it, though. To me, the biggest question mark, you, I mean, one, you already said, I think Pittsburgh, uh, I, I think being a New York Giants fan, we could tell you it doesn't matter if prime Barry Sanders is lining up next to Bo Jackson <laughs> in your backfield. Uh, <laughs> if your offensive line sucks, nothing's going to happen. Uh, so Najee Harris, after losing a couple of linemen, Terrible decision. And Travis Etienne, the Jaguars, you could address a million other positions when you had uh, pretty much the best rookie running back uh, last year in an undrafted James Robinson, and you draft a first-round mm-hmm. running back. I mean, it's almost like 
if you are in like the scouting department of the Jaguars, like I, I, I think even as like a coach, as a GM, it should just be unless somebody is like a generational talent, you should not. Even if they are drafting a first round running back, it just never pays off. Mm-hmm. Look at Clyde Edwards last year. I mean, oh, he yeah. was like pick thirty two, but still, everyone had such had these high hopes. He was great for three weeks, and after that, Chiefs barely even used him. I mean, mm-hmm. he was hurt, but you know, he wasn't. Like, he wasn't. A, he wasn't a difference maker. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely too, and especially about the the Etienne pick. If I could uh, complain a little bit, I had the Bills to pick a running back in the first round, and then of course the Steelers and Jags mismanaged my, mismanaged their way to making that bet be a loss. So I was a little bit chapped about that one. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in. Because yeah. <laughs> so imagine if he was on the Bills. Man, he would be the, the fantasy darling. People would pick him in the first round uh, pretty much like Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That would be an amazing spot. But, no, the Jaguars apparently are going to run run two running backs out, no wide receivers and no offensive line. That was such a weird one. It's it's almost like he didn't realize that. I could guarantee you, if you asked that guy ten seconds before he drafted, hey, you know you got a guy named James Robinson on the team, he'd be like, who, what? Like he, he they must have had no idea. So that's that's <laughs> an interesting one. And I know, at being a Giants fan, I know that they were eyeing Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver out of Florida, and supposedly Urban Meyer said he was like quote heartbroken about it. Like he really mm. wanted him. Um, it's an interesting one because I didn't know much about Kadarius before, uh, before the draft. And now the biggest news is he lost a cleat during practice. The New York, <laughs> the New York media is blowing absolute chunks lately, but that's for a different podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the nature of the, N- of the NFL offseason is that, you know, it, everyone loves it so much that people just try to dig up stories out of nowhere. So that's why, you know, congratulations to you listener listening to us. Right. Don't worry. We're going to give you some candy at the end. We'll give you some bets and I'll yeah. explain why it's good to place them right now and not just blow hards talking about this guy looks great in shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. In keeping, string left in keeping with that theme, I want to address one more thing because it did dominate draft day and it could dominate the rest of the NFL. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers and his reported unhappiness with the team. It's been, you know, mulled through over and over. I'm sure you guys have read the articles. I just wanted to get your take on this whole situation. You know, do you think Aaron Rodgers will play for the Packers? If he does, how does that affect, you know, the NFC North and Green Bay? If you think he will go somewhere, I know the Broncos were reported. I'm curious what you guys think about if he goes to another team and how how that affects your your betting strategy going forward. Yeah, let me just really quick speak to uh, some of the line moves actually surrounding this this uh, news. I know that on draft night, uh, both the Packers and the Broncos lines got taken down. Apparently, there was um, you know some news that broke that you know it was all but a done deal to Denver. So the Denver line is actually a little bit inflated right now. I believe they're at eight and a half, and also the Broncos to win the Super Bowl are pl- are plus twenty five hundred, so twenty five to one. If you bet ten dollars, you win two fifty. Um, I think without Rodgers, that is a horrible bet. I think with Rodgers, I mean, you know, I'll adjust when when that happens if it does happen. Um, right now, the Packers at fourteen to one, same exact thing, but the opposite way. With Rodgers, okay, fine. If you really have to place that bet, go for it. With the uncertainty of Rodgers, I think it's a horrible bet. So this will actually lead me to um, a nice little hedge of how to how to make some money off of this one. I have division winner NFC North. I placed um, a half unit on the Vikings at plus 350, half unit on the Bears at plus 400. I think even with Rodgers, those aren't horrible bets to make, um, especially with the Vikings, you know, as I just said, great draft. And also the Bears, too, with a great draft. And Justin Fields, 
could really be the the guy that everyone is um, saying that he might be. I think that's that's a pretty good bet. Excuse me, at, at plus four fifty, I think that's a pretty good one to go with, especially with Matt Nagy and um, all that speed that they have at uh, the different skill positions. So. Packers at minus 167 to win the NFC North with a Rodgers that we don't really know what's going to happen. I think that's a that's a bad bet. So just something to think about when when these news bulletins. And then I'll, I'll let Zach answer like the you know where will he play um, you know portion of it. But I just think from a betting landscape right now, you got to think what's the best way to make money off of it, and not so much of you're not going to really beat the the bookmakers. You know you're not going to grab. Right now, anyway, you're not going to grab the Broncos and the bookmakers don't know that Rodgers might go there. Um, really, the way to do it is to kind of uh, elevate the other teams in that division because, you know, if, if the Vikings get to play Jordan Love twice or if the Bears get to play Jordan Love twice, I think that's kind of a slam dunk that they're going to, at worst, split those games. And then at that point, uh, the Packers division um, crown is really up for grabs. So I think that's the best bet on the board with this news. Super sharp, man. I completely agree. Knocked it out of the park. I really don't even have much more to add to that. Uh, I know I, me, I was watching the uh, the draft with my family, and when the guy tweeted like, "Oh, Rogers to Denver is a done deal," I hopped on it and took their season win total over seven uh, right off the bat, and they took it down for a little bit. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I really don't know what's going to happen. To me, it just seems like in this day and age, in all major sports. Uh, if a superstar is unhappy and wants to leave, he usually leaves. So I personally would be very surprised if Rodgers stays with the Packers. Where he goes, uh, you know, who knows? Who really does? Yeah. But talking about futures not related to Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> I will throw out my favorite Super Bowl favorite Ooh. right off the bat. And I believe, you know, who's gotten better this offseason? Your Los Angeles Rams, because they got rid of Jared mm-hmm. Goff, who is absolutely bonus. <laughs> I think with Matthew Stafford at quarterback, literally all he has to do is stay healthy. That's mm-hmm. it. And I think the Rams are going to be a force to be reckoned with. We know their defense is not an issue. And I just really think that the Rams are going to be an absolute bastard to beat this year. Because if that offense gets humming like it was two or three years ago, the defense has only gotten better with the addition of Jalen Ramsey last year, who lived up to the hype, living up to the contract so far. Aaron Donald is a freak of nature. I mean, you know, they're just a, such a complete team, and it seems to be they're the only team in the league that consistently can just give up first-round draft picks and continue <laughs> to get better. Yep. Um, so I absolutely love the Rams at plus 1,300. I do have a nice size future on them. Nice. And funny funny you mentioned right in lockstep, in my uh, first power rankings of the year, I have the Rams uh, number two in the power rankings. They're up, up two spots from, uh, you know, end of last year. They're actually a half point for those um, very number-oriented people. They're a half point worse than the Chiefs on a neutral field. Um, so really, if, if I run this simulation a bunch of times, it's going to be Kansas City versus the Rams or, um, you know, Casey, uh, a repeat of last Super Bowl or Buffalo versus Tampa Bay or the Rams. Those are my top four teams actually right now. Um, a very interesting bet that I'm seeing right now on the board is the Rams at plus 180 to win the division, but then also the 49ers at plus 180 to win the division. I think I could speak for Zach here after his take on Trey Lance. I don't think that's a good bet at all. And then we get the Cardinals um, coming up the rear at plus 600 and the Seahawks at plus 300. It's going to be kind of interesting. I'm going to I'm going to go to notable Russell Wilson fan John. John, what do you think? Uh, Seahawks to win the NFC West at plus 300. Is that juice worth it, do you think? Or, or do you think the Rams run away with it? 
You know what, man? As much as I love Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited, um, (laughs) (laughs) I have to say that this is probably the first year, the start of the, I think it's the end of the the, uh, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson era. They did not, funny enough, and maybe I'm taking too much stock in this, when they lost to the Giants and they really got exposed with how bad their defense was mm-hmm. and their defense was so dysfunctional, I don't think they did much. It's not even I don't think. They didn't. They didn't fix this. They had three draft picks this year. They didn't do anything. Talk about a team that didn't get better by any stretch of the imagination. They probably got worse. I think that the rest of the NFC West knows that the Seahawks are like the Patriots of that division. The target is always on their back. I don't like that. I think like they they have like top eight Super Bowl odds. I get the pedigree behind it, and you know people are gonna say you can't count out the Seahawks, but something tells me that there's always a like a an era shift in the NFL. There's always a changing of the guard. I think you're seeing a little bit of that with Cleveland and Pittsburgh, right? It's shifting in another. Mm-hmm. I don't trust the Seahawks really. I just think they're exposed. You know, I'm talking in circles. It's just. Yeah. I can't really – I don't have really much positive to say. I know they drafted uh, – I forget the name of the receiver they drafted. It was their first pick of the draft, I think, in the third round. Um, so they're giving Russell Wilson some help. But for me, the Seahawks always did better when there was a Marshawn Lynch running behind, Chris Carson when he breaks free. I don't think it's the receivers that necessarily right. need to, to aid them. And ever since the Legion of Boom, the defense, you know, hasn't been that great. So I'm I'm down on the Seahawks. I would probably stay away from them. You know, if you're if you're a ride or die, like you really believe in them, wait until sometime in the middle of the year if they lose like two in a row. That's probably when I would take them. I wouldn't take them to win the division now with the Niners getting better, the Rams I think getting better with trading for Matthew Stafford. And even though I'm not particularly high on the Cardinals, I know I've talked to you guys off the pod about mm-hmm. and Kyler Murray. I think they're a little overrated. You know, they're they're no slouches. They went eight and eight last year, and they're not going to go away quietly. And we always know the NFC West division games come down to very, very close matchups. So I'm staying away from the Seahawks on this, not buying into their prowess anymore. That That's a great idea. And honestly, um, the power rankings agree with you. They got dropped down six spots after this offseason, uh, down to 19th. I think they're kind of a middle-tier team yeah. right now. And, um, John, in that metrics, I have Seahawks uh, minus three as a defensive rating, which, you know, I, I'm not going to go into why – I have some of these numbers with a lot of these formulas. But, yeah, Seattle actually was a bottom third defense last year, and so were the, the Buffalo Bills, which is why I had them so low. I know that we had some some angry fans uh, coming after me saying, why are the Bills, like, sub-19 in my power rankings, even though they made the AFC championship game? But of course, you know, it's my first year modeling, so now um, I have some truer numbers here. But, no, this is all, all great stuff about some futures. I love getting into it. Yeah, I wanted to address – I'll give you guys some futures myself. Um, the schedule was released, what is it, last mm-hmm. week, I think. And yeah. um, it's been some interesting stuff. Notably, the fact that there's now an 18th week to the NFL schedule and therefore a 17th game. So when you're looking up win totals, when you're looking up certain lines, we have to remember, you guys know this, I'm telling the listener now, that there's now 17 games. So, um, you know, a team that has eight wins, you know, is not going to be an even team anymore. They're actually going to have a losing record. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, th- there are some lines. I'm just going to rattle them off and I'll, I'll kind of give little quick takes. And I know we touched upon a couple of these things. Uh, we mentioned the Bills. The Bills current line on DraftKings is 11. 
Again, with an extra game, the Bills didn't get any worse in the offseason for me. I think they got better. I actually think signing Mitchell Trubisky was probably one of the smarter offseason decisions. The Bills just seem to have that sharp mentality, right? You never want to play Trubisky, but, but God forbid, you know, Josh Allen goes down. You now have some insurance, and again, it's a former top five pick, no matter how he busted in Chicago. Um, so I like the Bills yeah. there. Let, let me chime in really quick. I, I actually heard that um, when he went to the Bills, it surprised a lot of GMs. Um, they said that he had really turned a lot of heads. Um, he played really well down the stretch, including the playoff game, um, where a lot of people remember it as, oh, yeah, the Saints beat the crap out of the Bears on Nickelodeon. Trubisky actually dropped a dime to uh, that guy, Wims, who yeah. went right through the breadbasket. And then ever since then, it was... Uh, you know, kind of sad times ahead. But, yeah, I, I actually agree. I think the Trubisky, uh, we saw with Andy Dalton last year how important it is to lock up the backup quarterback position. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also like, you know, let's face it, Deshaun Watson's status, no matter, you know, what's it, – it's obviously not good, right, whether he's found guilty of, you know, 22 allegations. It's just insane <laughs> to me. He's found guilty of any of them. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Like, like yeah. that's just – even if – he does come back to the field. His relationship with the Texans is obviously fractured. I think it's a point of no return. He might not even suit up. And, and again, he's facing those allegations. Under four and a half, don't know where this number came from. This is not a team. It's so hard to go winless in the NFL, so I'm not going to go there. I know there was a prop to go 0-17. Imagine how hard it is to go 0-16. Now you got to go 0-17. But four and a half wins, man. Especially, I, I get that the Titans aren't as great. I get that the Jacksonville Jaguars are rebuilding and the Colts are a question mark, but, man, do you see the Texans maybe winning more than two of those games? And then you're telling me they're going to beat three other teams out of their own division? I just – I'm not seeing it. John, I believe I had this conversation with Dean uh, not too long ago, and I said – well, in our little text group, I turned around and said, if the 2020 Jaguars were only able to win one game, what, how are the Texans winning any game? All they've done is lost members of their offense. And, oh, yeah, a top-five quarterback in the league. Nobody mm-hmm. even wanted to coach the damn team. Yeah. Where, where are they getting five wins from? Where? Where is it happening? Uh, we, we, have a tr- we have our, our first of, tw- of 2021 or first first of this season, triple like. I also I have the Texans dead last in my power rankings. I think even if Deshaun Watson plays – the amount of hero ball that he'll have to do in order to get anything out of these, this team. Uh, they lost Will Fuller. They, they lost everyone. They have no draft picks. Uh, they are, they are sad. And John, I'll actually go ahead and raise you one. The Texans that have a 0 and 17 record at plus 2500 is actually, I'd rather take that than to take their, their win total under. I think they're truly sad and very, uh, funny enough, the Vikings drafted Kellen Mond and then the Texans kind of scrambled and picked. Uh, Mills from Stanford, the other quarterback. And I think that the Texans were fully prepared to pick Mond and just start over and give him the keys to the, to the car. I, I think this guy Mills is not their guy. I think he's going to be horrible because they have absolutely no skill on that roster. Yeah, it, w- it would take a lot, especially if Jalen Mills started, which I, I get the logic behind drafting him, of course. But, and I, and I think the Texans are prepared to play without him. It just makes the situation even worse. And that's why I think it might be even smart to pick this up now because maybe the line does drop down a game if they know definitively, you know, Deshaun Watson's off the team or he's suspended or something. Mm-hmm. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, the Chiefs have the highest win total projected at 12.5 on DraftKings right now. And honestly, with the extra game, take the over. 
Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, as long as those two guys are on the field, as long as Andy, none of Andy Reid's sons kill somebody again, they'll watch <laughs> out. Um, they're they're going to win games. You know, you're, you're asking us now to win 13 and lose four. So if if you were comfortable with a 12 and four season, you're still getting that essentially. You know, you're asking them to win one more game. So um, I, I like that 12 and a half. And right now on DraftKings, it's at plus odds at plus 123. So, um, again, they they uh, they, they signed, um, who was it, Orlando Brown, I think. They mm-hmm. upped the line. They're making sure to protect Mahomes. People forget last year during the Super Bowl, the line was bad and Mahomes was hurt. So um, you'd think that they, they played the best game they could. They're only going to get better. Um, doubling back uh, again to the Titans before, um, they're right now at under nine wins. It's minus one ten. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing special. Um, but if you're if you buy into us, where you think maybe Carson Wentz and the Colts, they're legit. Maybe the Jaguars are a lot better. You know, to, if you give the Titans maybe one of those wins to the Texans because they're not prepared. <laughs> you know, you're asking for eight other. Uh, you know, if they split with them, eight other wins on on that schedule, and I'm just not seeing it. And the the last one that I had circled, and I apologize if you guys think I'm a homer on this. I love, 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 love the Giants over seven wins this year. And I'll tell you why. The Giants are one of those teams that did not get worse on paper. They really didn't. They made a lot of signings. I know they just signed Calvin Benjamin, which is a questionable one. But they had a pretty good draft. They picked up some some draft capital this year and next year. They um, The one thing they didn't tackle – was the offensive line. That's probably the biggest thing, and I understand where people want to pump the brakes. But with a team that lost Saquon Barkley last year, getting him back, now getting all these offensive skill position players, you're asking the Giants to win two more games than they had last year, and you added a game to the schedule. So for me, that seems like a no-brainer one. If it was like nine, I'd probably not be too comfortable with it, right? And I think the Giants as an organization with, you know, a, a pretty mediocre NFC East, I think they could take advantage. Um, I'm not jumping on the Eagles or the Cowboys. I think that personally the Cowboys are the team that um, will give them the toughest challenge in the division. I think Washington's due for a step back. Um, their defense is great. I don't like the Ryan Fitzpatrick signing. Um, I, and the Giants usually have the, uh, Washington's number. So the Giants could get maybe – if they split – and get three or four wins out of the division, I'm asking them for four more wins outside of the division, you know, out of the next, like, what, 11 games. So I'm pretty comfortable with that. And that's on the low end of expectations for us Giants fans, too. We expect this to be at least, like, a wild card playoff team, if not more. So that that's probably my favorite pick is Giants over seven. I actually have a couple units myself over that because, um, you know, if they make more signings, if other things happen in the offseason, uh, it's, it's, the line's going to shift. Wow, that's awesome, uh, Zach. I, I really want to hear your your Giants take really quick. Uh, I, I want I want to hear you respond to that, but um, I, I will be the bearer of bad news, uh, unfortunately. So, John, you you were correct in a lot of the ways, especially the the point that the past few years the Giants opening line was six and a half, and of course, as as we well documented last year, they struggled to win. What they were picking in the top. 10 uh, the last three years. So they their unders have hit, I think, three years in a row besides last year when, uh, of course, Joe Judge turning the corner a little bit. So if the last, what, two, three years, their, their opening line was six and a half. Now they added an extra game and now it's at seven. I think that's a good mathematical play. Um, the one thing that, that you will, I think seven's a little bit too low. I mean, I have the Giants as my 13th 
uh, team in the power rankings, but then again, that's tied. It's in a five-way tie with uh, the Chargers, Cardinals, uh, Washington, and Las Vegas. So it's kind of a crapshoot in there. So you could say 13 to 17. They're kind of a mid-tier team. Uh, the one thing, looking at the schedule, they play the NFC South. Uh, could be some tough opponents in the Saints, Bucks, um, even the Falcons might take a step forward a little bit. And then they also play the AFC West where yeah. you get the Chiefs, Raiders. Like I said, the Raiders are comparable there. Um, so just a, a little bit of thing, you know, we saw, we saw the schedule comes out. Um, you know, so the, the slate of teams, I think that in order to, for them to hit that over, I think they really got to go like four and two in the division, which I think they're more than capable of because I'm not high on anyone in the NFC East right now. But, but John, I guess, uh, the question that, that I'll pose to you and Zach is um, do you like the over seven more than Giants to win the division at plus 350? Um, of course, they're behind the Cowboys at plus 125, uh, Washington at plus 260. Because what I'm thinking is, um, in my mind, in order for them to go over on this regular season win total, they gotta they got to handle their divisional games. If they go four and two, I think that's going to put them in a pretty good situation to win the division. And, um, yeah, I, I guess just... You know, that takes out some of those Chiefs games and Rams game that they have to play, um, where, you know, you don't have to worry about that. They could get shelled. Who cares? It's just a matter of taking care of your divisional opponents. Right. Call, call me square, because this happens every year, but the hype on the Dallas Cowboys is always high, and it's hard to not buy into it. I don't think it's just the America's team. Dak Prescott's back. I think that's actually going to do a lot for the locker room, because they, they want to win one for the Gipper with him. Um, they hired... Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Dan Quinn, as their defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, it was their worst part of their team last year. They addressed it early in the draft and often in the draft. Right? Doesn't mean that everything's going to be solved, but I do think the Cowboys. It's it's like if Washington, if Washington was so good last year, I feel like the Cowboys are going to take that spot. And I'm optimistic that the Giants could find themselves in the mix. If it comes down to a game where like the Cowboys win ten and the Giants win nine. I would feel more comfortable just taking the over um, and not having to worry about the division crown. And um, I, I, that's, I guess, and, and then I shouldn't rule out Washington. They did win last year, right? They're not mm-hmm. going to go away. Ron Rivera is a good coach. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is known to put on some, some displays uh, in the past. So that, that's why I would be comfortable. And Philly, I'm not, I'm really not worried about that team is a train wreck. I know they like kind of, jump the Giants in the draft and we should be pissed about it. And I kind of am, but this is now like what, like out of how many years, like five years, they've used like three first round picks on like wide receivers. Like give mm-hmm. me a, you know, like now I'm, now I'm worried about Devonte Smith because he looked great, but now you're taken by an organization that routinely botches first round receivers. Like let's yeah. pump the brakes. That he also weighs, he weighs 165 pounds. He's basically your girlfriend. So I'm not, I'm not scared of a guy who I could bench easily. Yeah. <laughs> That's my opinion on it. Zach, I don't know if you're with me, if you feel the same way or something different. No, I feel the same way. I mean, I'm scarred as a Giants fan <laughs> as well for the division, so we just don't even worry about those. Yeah. I mean, usually, what, the Giants have won, I mean, their first Super Bowl. The last Super Bowl they won was out of a wild card spot, so. Nice. That's the thing. With that being said, I will just say brief, uh, very briefly, I do agree. I, I would say I expect the Giants to win a minimum of eight games this year. Nice. 
Yeah, and and John, honestly, um, you know, to kind of hamper your Cowboys take a little bit, or I, I think I'm agreeing with you. Uh, Mike McCarthy, I think, is a very bad coach. So, uh, I, which you've I, been saying for literally twelve yep. years now. Yeah, he got he got lucky that uh, Aaron Rodgers was a good quarterback. Um, I, I think that was in spite of him. Uh, yeah, Mike McCarthy last year really showed that he can't coach his way out of a wet paper bag. So I think that the Cowboys are a little bit limited there. So uh, of course, you know, getting back to the divisional odds, uh, I'm not a proponent of that. I think I am a little bit higher on Washington because I, I have Washington, um, you know, exactly the same as the Giants on a, on a neutral field. I have it as a pick 'em, so it's basically what you prefer. I think that defense is for real, and they could really establish the run. And um, you know, Fitzpatrick does do enough to open it up. If you really think about the the, the crazy carousel that the Washington football team had last year, Alex Smith some games, um, you know, Haskins for a couple games too, and they still got a ch- uh, they still were the team that ended up making the playoffs out of that division. I think that the Washington team is maybe not so easily written off, um, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That's, that's why it's a tough one. And for what it's worth, I just want to add, because cause it's, you know, I look at strength of schedule for a lot of these teams. The Eagles currently have the easiest one at .430, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the Cowboys, I think, are not far behind. And, of course, the Giants, I think, have, like, the eighth easiest, quote-unquote, Couple things I just wanted to address there. Number one, that's obvious because the NFC East was terrible. So you know they they <laughs> yeah they were their own division. So uh, naturally that's going to happen. So just be wary when you guys look at strength of schedule stuff. You got you listeners out there, uh, and also you know strength. It, it, last year's last year, right? What what's mm. the statistic out there that's like something like four new teams have entered the playoffs in the NFL in like the past like how many decades or whatever? Like at at least. It's like some number that's a lot bigger than you'd anticipate. You know, there's going to be teams that make it, and there's going to be teams that miss it. So we can't just base off of last year's, you know, because, I mean, look at, I mean, take a team like the Jaguars, right? They're not winning one game this year, you know. Their their line actually I think is like, it's somewhere around maybe like six or seven. Um, and, yeah, it's six and a half. It's tied with the, the Jets, the Bengals, mm-hmm. and the Eagles, funny enough. So, hmm. So strength of schedule is, it's just an interesting barometer. Shouldn't be ruled out, but yeah, basic. What it is, what that is, John, too, is um, what they just take the win percentage from the last year and then they aggregate it based on everyone that they have to play this year. But like you said, I mean that that metric gets thrown way off when you take a team in the NFC East when all the teams were you know around five hundred or worse. So um, yeah, of course you know that that division is going to have easier strength of schedules quote-unquote i see other ones that are more blended where it's like it takes into account um out like what divisions they play like for example the giants play the nfc south and the afc west it just you know like measuring stick finger in the wind those are two good divisions in my opinion so um you know i guess in a nutshell i would say that they have a slightly hard um strength of schedule in in my opinion anyway but um that's all interesting stuff. I love it. I'm high on the Vikings. Zach and John are relatively high wait, on the Giants. Wait, wait, wait. No. What? We have one more thing to talk about. Because the, I'll tell you, the hottest team in the NFL, who is I'm going to be riding the entire season. Let's get it. Move, move aside Chicago Bears. We're talking about the Indianapolis Colts is Zach's team of 2021. I'm surprised. I, I did not know this was coming. I am taking their over on 10 games, and I'm taking them to make the playoffs at minus 200. I think that the upgrade from Old Man Rivers 
to Carson Wentz is going to be ginormous. The Colts have one of the best offensive lines in the league. They have a great one-two punch in Don- Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. They re-signed T.Y. Hilton. You have tons of offensive weapons. I think the Colts are going to be for real. You have, more importantly, Wentz reunited with the man who made him almost uh, made who made him the MVP of the league. Yeah. Um, I really think that you're going to see, I don't know if you're going to see Wentz, you know, repeat his, you know, 2018, 2017 numbers, but I mean, Phil Rivers literally couldn't throw a deep ball. Yeah. So we were just talking before we started recording that the Colts lost the week one game because he short armed a couple of outs. Zach, I have full agreement here. I have the Colts as my number six team in the NFL and my best bet of the pod that I teased off the top is by process of elimination. We got the Colts to win the AFC South at minus 105. It is a slam dunk. Well documented that the, te- the Texans might go winless uh, or they'll win one or two games. We got, we all um, triple like the under on the Texans. So they're completely out of it. The Jaguars. I mean, we had a little bit of a, of a hung jury when it came to Trevor Lawrence. I still think that the ceiling on the Jaguars is about, you know, five to seven wins. So they're in no threat to win the division. And then the Titans, I just documented that they had a horrible draft and a horrible offseason. All they do is lose pieces. I think that this is a slam dunk. Uh, honestly, if you disagree with everything I said about the Titans, you could uh, bet them. But I think it's a, this really comes down to a two-team race. And I think the Colts are way, way, way above where the Titans are, um, just for, you know, power ranking. Uh, according to me, I have the Colts at number six, and I have the Titans at number 17. I think that this is a slam dunk bet. Colts win the AFC South, and I agree with everything that Zach said. Um, you know, overs, make the playoffs, everything. We're, I'm on the Colts as well. Nice. Uh, well, you know, we'll make it a triple like. I didn't really look too much at the Colts. I think I'm still a little bit scared about Carson Wentz. I think I have to just see it. But he can make me eat my words week one when he looks completely fine. Ends with, like, like 350 yards and three touchdowns and just, like, you know, another day at the office. I can't believe it's minus 105. I think that's tremendous value considering mm-hmm. the rest of the division. The Titans are probably the only one that, that stand out as a potential if they don't regress as much. Dude, as Carson Wentz is going to pull the Blake Griffin. Where everyone's like, he's washed. <laughs> he's washed. He's going to go to the Colts. Everyone's going to be like, oh, 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 wow. He, he's, yeah, still, he's, he's still got some left in the tank. Yeah. He could dunk. <laughs> yeah. I, and honestly, I, I think I'm coming from a position, too, where I think that we, we take – Personally, for my takes, I could take Wentz completely out. They could start Brissett, and I still like all this. Like I said, I'm I'm so low on what the Titans did this offseason, and I'm so high on on the Colts. Sands the quarterback position. Now we get a potential league MVP in Carson Wentz. Where let's face it, Phil Rivers was on his last leg last year. He really, you know, did the did what he could to get them there. But I think like you know, this team has a great defense. They have a, a exactly like Zach said, they have a one-two punch in running back, and they have a third running back in Naheem Hines that's pretty good, too. Uh, they have just all the pieces in place. Um, I think that they could beat teams in a lot of different ways. I think they're going to make the Titans look silly. I think they're going to run away with the division, and then, um, you know, in the playoffs, they're going to be a team that I have circled as well. Nice. A lot of fun stuff to watch in the AFC and the NFC, too. I just want to mention briefly, just I think we're about to wrap up, but I gotta give credit where credit's due to the team that's returning all 22 starters for the first time in the Super Bowl era. The Buccaneers are, uh, their line is at 11 and a half. And, uh, I'm just curious what you guys think. Like, are you buying into them this year? Are they not gonna miss a beat? Or are they gonna, are, are they, are they due to just kinda reel back a little bit? If, if I, if I may, I know last year you guys were, were on the Bucks correctly. 
And I'm just going to go ahead and do this. I, I wrote down a couple really long shot hot takes. I think that the Bucks might go undefeated. I think that they, they're returning everyone. There's nothing like, how could I downgrade the Tampa Bay Bucks at all when they have all of their starters coming back? Yeah, it's one more year and you could think, oh, maybe they're not as motivated to come back and play hard. Um, I love what they did in the draft. John, like you said, they drafted, um, very well. I love the pick of Kyle Trask. He was actually in my board um, for what that's worth. Uh, he was my, what, number four quarterback. I really liked him. Thought he could go, I had a bunch of futures on him going under his um, slated draft stock, so I'm glad that you know the Bucks went for that. That's a good guy to learn behind Brady. And then also, um, based on my metrics, uh, they have the third easiest schedule in the NFL. So I think the Bucks. this is a slam dunk. They were going to cakewalk through the uh, regular season and then onto the playoffs here. Um, it wouldn't be surprising, like I just said, they're, they're number four in my power rankings. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if we get a repeat. Here's the longest hot take that, that I could go ahead and say. The 2022 Super Bowl will be a rematch of this year's Super Bowl. That's my hottest take that I could go to. Uh, honestly, if all the numbers, of all the chalk pan out, I think the Bucks are destined to go back to the Super Bowl. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That is a that is a hot take. I don't know how I feel. I I just think that, I mean, hypothetically, you're right. Like the biggest problem with the Bucks was they couldn't click on offense, and then like after week ten, it was like okay, they clicked, and that was that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like I'm, as cliche as it sounds, it's Tom Brady. So I don't really expect him to miss a step either. I think undefeated is a, a is a bit much. <laughs> yeah, um, I would. I'm handing but, it up. I mean, this we, we haven't recorded in a while. <laughs> and, I, it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility because I, I think that, you know, Brady-led teams, they usually don't cool off. And maybe that was a Belichick thing. But these teams from year over year tend to be really, really hot. Obviously, an undefeated season is difficult to do. However, this is the man that almost did it, you know, a little over a decade ago. And I'm sure, you know, he's galvanizing that team and saying – Listen, if there's one thing I want to do, he even had a couple quotes that were interesting. The one about how he would trade two Super Bowl rings to win that Super Bowl and go undefeated, which I thought was interesting. He said he traded in a heartbeat, like no question. Um, and to Zach's point, he did say, Zach, about halfway through the season last year, he was still learning how to call plays from the playbook, which is probably why they had such a turnaround. And it's, you know, Tom Brady's a go. He's the only guy that could probably do something like that. I want to just point out, since I'm looking at the lines, Tom Brady uh, is at plus 1,400 right now for uh, NFL MVP, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at I'm looking at a Vegas book. Um, I'm using my laptop right now. <laughs> um, and he's, for some reason on this one, he's tied with Matthew Stafford, of all people, to be the MVP. I mean, Maybe I'm not sold on Stafford, but if you're a Buccaneers buyer, you're certainly a Tom Brady buyer, and that might be one that's fun to do. Um, and just just root for root for the greatest of all time to add yet another trophy to uh, to his case. I knew I knew I would start uh, the slippery slope, but so you, it's so funny if <laughs> yeah, I know Joe and Mikey are punching air right now after my take, but yeah, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. I think you know we're, we are in May still. Um, it's fun. To get back on talking with you guys, and of course we're gonna do it a couple more times this off season, and then when we have our official, you know, 
preseason previews and all that. I think that's when, you know, I'm really going to have my MVP take um, solidified. But, yeah, uh, just looking at the board, like what me and Zach were saying, maybe Carson Wentz at 40-1. to But, yeah, of course, you know, we're going to make more content for you guys. So I really want to refine some of these takes. You're going to hear – uh, don't don't be prepared to call us out on some of these. Uh, we're just spitballing in the middle of May right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the way to go. It's been a long time coming, so we you know we wanted to get back on and talk with you guys and uh you know help help set you up to win some money as the season goes on. As uh final things here, Dean. I know if you want to share with the audience a little bit on the WNBA season that's starting and maybe some lines. There's like a best play or a favorite pick that you're thinking right now. We could just uh, end on that note. Yeah, so unfortunately, um, WNBA is very um, small market, as in not a lot of action comes on comes in on it. But um, the good news is, with that, a lot of the pros do bet it. Um, I myself like to bet it. Last year started off thirty five and three in WNBA, which is a pretty pretty good uh, measuring stick there. So yeah, just looking at the season, just overall. Um, Huge line move that happened, and of course, if you're not interested, I'm sure you already clicked off. But just a very interesting line move that already happened. Minnesota Lynx to win it all was 33 to one to start out, and now it's six to one um, after people realized that they had two picks, uh, number two overall, number four overall. So very interesting, some stuff there. Um, honestly, I think that just in general, um, you know, there's going to be some chalk. Uh, you're definitely going to want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I'm going to have some special things for people to get you guys some winners in your pocket again. And um, I would say very short turnaround notice. Uh, we're going to have to see, but a very big game tomorrow uh, in the Aces versus the Storm. Of course, Storm defending champions. Um, I think they're very good. That line already moved. It's minus 115 right now. I have a small bet on that, but just a Another team to circle is Phoenix. They actually added uh, a couple pieces this offseason. They probably have the best starting five, in my opinion, out of the entire thing. So Phoenix is going to be a small team that I will be riding. But, of course, you're going to need to be locked in with us at winning TX Pod in order to get all these winners. Uh, maybe not 35 of them in a row, but <laughs> I, I, I like to think that I know what I'm talking about here. Hell, yeah, man. We, we look forward to your WNBA picks. Might even go to a WNBA game this year. So uh, that'd be fun. Maybe do a, li- a live pod or something crazy from there. We're just very excited to be back. We're happy to give you some of our NFL takes. Be sure to continue to watch NBA, the playing tournaments coming up, some MLB teams, some NHL playoffs. If you guys have picks, certainly shout them out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Winning Ticks Pod. Without further ado, guys, if you have nothing else to say, I just want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the Winning Ticket Podcast. We're having fun. It's minus 1,000. John, Zach, Dean. 